This week's episode brought to you by The Communitor. Want to spend a week in Southern California with your favorite Communicore overlords? We thought you did. Visit CommunicorWeekly.com, click on the Events tab to learn about The Communitor, happening April 27th through May 2nd, 2014. And welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And I'm super excited because we just announced the Communitor. And I know it was it's the sponsor for this week's episode, but yep. we're super excited for it. And well, you know what we didn't explain is that the Communitor is not a mythical beast with horns. No, it is not. We did say that in an episode. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're not subscribing to our iTunes feed, if you're just watching this on YouTube, go to the iTunes feed. Uh, it'll be in the links for this week's show as well to hear the, the little promo we did for it. We did talk about it not being a mythical beast. We just said it was a Communitor. So mm-hmm. there is that. I figured we just got to throw that out there. Just, so. just in case. And but, but talking about other Communicore goodness, we yes, got something really cool. We now have a Communicore hotline, so you guys can call Sweet. and leave us messages whenever you want. And when you want you guys to, because you can call, and you know, if we like your message, we'll play it on the show. So, and if we don't like your message, we'll make fun of it in private? Uh, we might also play it on the show as well. One and of the two. And make fun of it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Okay. You can call 424-785-GOAT, because that is our phone number. Nice. And nice. for those of you who are too lazy to figure out the numbers for yourself, like I am, it's 424-785-4628. And that is the Communicore hotline. Call it. Leave a message. We'd love to hear from you. Give it a and, call. And what's that number again? 424-785-4628. Can you guess what the area code is? 424? Is that like the Philippines or something? It is not. I, oh, I'm, okay. I'm paying uh, respect to our background because we're both straight out of Compton, so it is actually wow. Compton, California. Fantastic. Fantastic. And that way people can call it and leave us messages of any sorts. Exactly. So give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Step, we took a trip and this is our trip. So this past weekend, uh, I was able to finally visit the Walt Disney Family Museum up in San Francisco, and it was spectacular. Um, Really? It it was really, really good. And, (laughs) you know, the downside was that we only got to explore it for like two, two and a half hours because we were there for an event with uh, Rolly and we had a presentation that we had to give. So I made everyone get up early so we can get there when, when it opened so we can have <laughs> as much time in the museum as possible. And as we're going through it, it dawned to me that there was no way I was going to be able to see everything in the museum in the two hours that I had. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just, there's so much. And, you know, Keith... Uh, Gluck has told me before that you need at least a day, day and a half to go through all the stuff, and he is not lying. There is so, so, so much in there that it, it would take a, at least two days. It's it's a full day museum, without a doubt. It's a full day museum. So, but do you think you could handle 
like two full days or would you want to do a day, go do something else in the area, then come back and do another day? Um, like break it up a little bit or you think? No, for I think for for like real Disney fans, Disney fanatics, uh, spending, you know, two days in a row there is the best way to go about it. Because, okay. you know, uh, like a lot of other museums, there is tons and tons of stuff to stop and read and look at and interact with and watch. And it's just... It's a gigantic story, and you just want to take it all in at once. And for that to happen, you need the time. And I mm. think doing it two days in a row, you know, you can kind of get the the better gist of the story that way. But, um, you know, overall, right off the bat, super impressed with the entire museum from top to bottom. You know, I, I did walk through everything. But I didn't get to, you know, stop and read everything, but I did walk through the entire museum, <laughs> and I, I loved it. You know, the... The first area where you buy your tickets, they had uh, a lot of his various awards. It's where the the story of he of you know Walt begins, and then when you go into the museum, it talks about his early years, uh, his family growing up, when he went to the war, and then you get into an elevator, and the elevator is themed like a car from the Santa Fe Railroad, where huh. he was on the train, um, and where he came up with with the idea for for mickey mouse okay um okay so when the elevator doors opened i was like what is going on here it looks like a train this is really weird <laughs> but you know you know and it takes you up to the second floor you get in uh it, when you get out of it, it you know you start with the alice comedies and you see clips from the alice comedies all on the wall it, it's when he first arrives in hollywood i'm sorry it, it's not it's not the train when he came up with mickey mouse it's when he first oh. came out to hollywood that was my fault i apologize it's the one from kansas city yes yes so okay. please please okay. don't jump on me cadets i apologize for that one <laughs> <laughs> well it was a test we were making sure the cadets were yes working. exactly i'm glad you're paying attention That's what it was. so the doors open and there's the big hollywood sign right there and then you learn about the alice comedies and then how that went and then you get a little bit of oswald and how he came up with uh with mickey mouse they had the the first uh, or the earliest known drawing of Mickey Mouse in the museum, which I thought was very, very cool. Um, they also had this really cool interactive exhibit that let you do the sound effects for the Steamboat Willie cartoon. <laughs> so Alex and my brother were actually like doing it um, to the cartoon. It was really interesting to watch them do it and to see how, you know, how hard it was to synchronize sound mm -hmm. to a cartoon. Sure. Um, I was really impressed with that, though. That was pretty neat. Wow. See, we would we would make really bad noises, wouldn't we? We probably would, but mm -hmm. it would be a lot of fun, I think. <laughs> <laughs> one one of the things I also was really impressed by. I don't know if it was an original version or it was a replica of it, but they had the multiplane camera there. Okay. Um, and it, you know, it's a big thing. You it it's in the gift shop itself, but it goes all the way up to the second second uh, story. So you can when you're up on the second floor, you see the top of it, and you can actually look down. And you wow. see the different planes of of film and, and scenery, and it was unbelievable to, to see it. Like I knew it was large, I just didn't know it was that big before. <laughs> wow. Um, and that was so really impressive. It sounds like the whole family, the Walt Disney Family Museum, is all of it's just tied together. Yes. Floors, everything. I mean, you're literally walking through Walt's life from the beginning to the end from the second you step into the museum all the way to the, the very last room. Um, wow. Very, very impressive. Most of my time uh, was spent in between two different places. There was the section about the uh, animation strike and then when Walt went to um, South America 
<laughs> I wonder why. Uh, obviously, three Caballero stuff was in there. <laughs> uh, it, also included in that section was uh, their work during World War II and all the propaganda films that they did. Mm-hmm. And they had an original. Uh, they had original posters from some of those films, where I, I, I thought was fantastic. Um, wow. Martina yeah. kind of wanted to steal one of them. Um, not going to mention which one, but it <laughs> may involve a dictator's face. Um, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> And then the other room I spent a lot of time in, I don't know what it was called, but it was an interactive room that had a bunch of screens, and I thought every screen had like a different topic on it, and it wasn't until later that I realized they all had the same topics, you just, you know, you were able to interact and go through all of them. Um, Oh, okay. And they had like concept art and trailers and stuff, it was broken into categories, but obviously once I found the three caballeros category, I went through every single thing in there. Um, Tons of concept art. Um, there were scenes from the movie, there was trailer, behind-the-scenes photos. It was really, really cool. So, I mean, that alone, I could have stood in front of that screen and played with it and went through all the categories. That alone could have taken me a day, without sure, a doubt. with all the content that's available through it then? Yeah. How many screens were there? Was it enough to handle, uh, you know, 15, 10? Five or six, I think, There were several? Maybe? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it, it, there was enough for, you know, when there's a moderate crowd in there. Because there was other stuff in that room, too. Like, they had uh, the camera that filmed 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea when they were actually in the water. Um, mm. There was a lot, of, a, a lot of cool stuff in that room, too. And I'm sure most people wouldn't be standing in front of those screens all day like I was. Um, <laughs> but that was pretty neat. But I, then, then Keith would walk up and say, move along. Yeah, move, move along. Nothing to move see here. Along. Move along, please. Because he sounds English or British. When he does. He, I have noticed okay. that before. Good, good. <laughs> Saving Mr. Gluck. Saving so. Mr. Gluck. <laughs> I think the room that was probably the most impressive, it had the spiral... Uh, you know little walkway in it but it had a lot of stuff you start at the, the tops and they had um the lily bell was in there from walt's backyard oh, and they had wow. a small uh replica layout of what his backyard railroad looked like um they also had the original model of the Fantasyland castle that marvin davis did in there in this nice mm-hmm. little globe uh ball but what everybody comes away from it remembering is the the model of the disneyland of walt's imagination oh yeah because you posted a photo of that on facebook yes and i took and you know i'm glad that they took away their no photo policy because i took a ton of photos of that (laughs) model it was unbelievable um because technically it, it represents a disneyland that never existed so you know space mountains in there but it's from the original concept drawings where the cars move outside of the building oh, yeah yeah so that was really really neat um there, there was a little vault um at the back end of the castle that you can look through the castle to see um mm-hmm. standing there i mean it it was unbelievably detailed it was kind of interactive that had little emil- el- excuse me elements that like lit up and did stuff um i, I just i was i could have stood there for hours staring at this model because <laughs> there was so much to it so it was so much it, to it. it was different from the model of disneyland they had at the um at, at, at disneyland in the um the main street yes uh, yes it, as far I th- actually, as far as I know, it was different. I, I may I may be mistaken there, but okay. um, it, it was that one very was an actual representation of what Disneyland looked like. Oh, oh no, yeah, that one's still there now in in the Opera House where Mr. Yes, Lincoln is. House. Well, yeah, that that one's still there now, and that one's an accurate one of of Disneyland okay. from way back when. This is what Walt imagined it to be, um, and it it was unbelievable. I you know I I wanted to take it home with me somehow. 
I don't know how I would have done that, but I wanted it. And to me, that was the greatest thing to to see. Um, and on the bottom floor of that, they had a lot of stuff about the World's Fair. Um, they had a, a mold in Mr. Lincoln's face and part of the animatronic body. Um, there was a hidden Rolly. There's a picture of Rolly and Walt and Tower of the Four, Four Winds. And as I'm looking at that stuff in the bottom, there's this pattern on the floor. I'm like, oh, this pattern looks really familiar from somewhere. And that as I'm walking around and there's some Epcot stuff there, um, I realize, oh, the floor is the original model for, for Epcot, the city. Jeez. Um, it, it was really cool, too, because, you know, it's a nice little subtle thing that a lot of people, I'm sure, won't really notice. But um, I thought it was a, a nice little touch that they had that there. Oh, and, that's fantastic. You know, and unfortunately, the last room, uh, or the last two rooms, were about the, the death of Walt Disney. So you walked into this one room, and it's mostly wooden walls, and there's a small fake TV set. And it's just, you know, people that knew him talking about his death. And there's little phones that you can pick up, and you can select buttons about who you want to hear, you know, talk about Walt and, you know, how his passing affected them, uh, which was really sweet. And the very last room of the museum are just these stark white walls with video screens, and they're just quotes from people about, you know, how Walt affected their lives, be it pop culture people, other Imagineers. I mean, it, it was pretty unbelievable rather stirring i'm assuming yeah it, it was you know even for the short amount of time we were in there it was kind of emotional it, it was very well done and i really have to applaud them for an excellent excellent job uh, of what they did well before you get to the um, presentation the reason you guys are there so your brother and alex were there as well yes during the tour and they seem to be okay with it because i know i know your brother's not a huge disney fan you know, it seems at first they were a little iffy but as time went on i think that they definitely got more and more into it and even you know my brother said how impressed he was with the entire thing um okay and you know i i definitely think it's something for people of all ages to come and enjoy i thought it was so really well done that's a good sign then for all of us uh Disney enthusiasts, they could live where we could take our families or yes. other people, and they still would enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. They may not want to spend eight, 16 hours there, but... No, not like we would, but uh, I definitely okay. think it's worth it. But yeah, Man. we were there for a presentation with Rolly. Rolly gave his Learning for Wall presentation. Packed house, sold out all the tickets. Wow. Um, I got to meet Diane Disney Miller and Ron Miller. They were both there. Ooh. Super, super sweet, super nice, the nicest people ever. Um... They stayed for the presentation. Diane even asked a question at the end of the presentation during the question and answer session, which I thought was really, really cool. And, is, yeah. you know, we heard from the program coordinator that uh, it was the first standing ovation that they received in all the time that they've been doing presentations there. So I thought that was uh, wow. really, really nice. Um, job well done. You know, there there were a couple stories that Rolly was telling, and I, I was kind of nervous you know the audience in general but mostly because <laughs> Walt's daughter was in the audience and he was telling these stories and every time I would look up and see her in the back she was laughing so I was like this is perfect this is great well, you know yeah Diane's always been one who's wanted to humanize her father yes um, whereas you know the the corporation wants to make him the myth of Walt Disney so I think she appreciates everything as long as there's a ring of truth to it yes absolutely and, and again I really think the museum does an excellent excellent job of making him a human and you know again I've said it many times before he is this great figure in pop culture history and you know Disney history but he was also a human and this mm -hmm. really humanizes him a lot and it was excellent to see how well done the museum was and if you're in the area go see it 
please go see it. You need to go see it. And maybe ask for Keith Gluck as a tour guide. Just saying. He's a nerd. He's a geek. Cause we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. A lot of the Communicore cadets collect Disney theme park items, and some, of course, branch out into other areas of the company, like animation, watches, stuffed plush characters. But there is so much more out there. Uh, this week's book is Disneyana, Walt Disney Collectibles by Cecil Muncy. Uh, and this book was published in 1974 and quickly, quickly, quickly became one of my favorite reference sources. Um, I've read about uh, Kay Common. Uh, K-A-M-E-N, for those of you who are not familiar with it, and how he started the franchise business for the studios, but I had no idea about the number of other people that were involved or the number of different collectible items that there are out there. Uh, This book is really big. It's 11 by 8 inches and 1 inch thick with a ton of photos. Uh, Granted, most of them are black and white, and of course it covers pre-1974 collectibles because, you know, Cecil hadn't invented the time machine at that point in time. Uh, There are a couple sections that are full color, and a lot of the photos are from the archives. They had to actually go into the Disney archives in the 70s, early 70s, to get photos of these items. Uh, But but it's really incredible to see the sheer number of things that were produced. And I I wasn't really sure what to expect when I started reading the book, uh, which is probably why it was so enjoyable to me. Um, Muncie has really done an incredibly in-depth job of looking at the history of the franchises, and the franchisees, the evolution of merchandise, and how the business grew into the Disney consumer products that we know and love and spend so much money on today. Uh, It's really, really quite eye-opening, and it should be considered the definitive work on Disney collectibles. So we, we, we see the company today, and Muncie's able to take us back and compare it to the late 20s and early 30s, where you know, there was only one or two items that were being sold with Mickey's likeness. So, in addition to some of those early things, it also covers fishing kits, paint sets, scissors, lamps, clothing, school supplies, belt buckles, and so many other things. To, to barge um, in for a second, a yes, lot of these yes. things were actually on display at the museum. So it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about Ooh. this stuff now that I like literally just saw it. Fantastic! You should have taken the the guide with you. I should have. So yes, I want one of these. Curses! I want one of these. I want one of these. Foiled again. So um, the the first official licensed product, which is covered in the book, was a children's writing tablet with Mickey's image on it that was produced in 1929. This thing was incredibly successful. So Walt and Roy set up Walt Disney Enterprises on December 16th, 1929, and then they hired Kay Common in 1932. And the franchises really took off after that. You really follow the history of the consumer products division, for lack of a better term to call it, from the initial Mickey dolls that were produced by a woman who lived in California to the first attempts overseeing England that Walt and Roy just hated. And they kept writing letters back and forth talking about the quality and the Mickey Mouse dolls just weren't there. Um... There is so much information about all the people that worked with it, and it, it just it just surprised me. This is an amazing history of how Disney products were introduced and how they changed over the years, and it's just a part of the company that you don't think about somebody talking about. Um, this is really this book is a must-have for anyone who's serious about researching older collectibles or is really interested in the history 
of the people that created the products and policies, so to speak, of the Disney franchise system. And uh, this week book, this week's book, <laughs> it's called Disney Anna, Walt Disney Collectibles by Cecil Muncie. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. Right at the end of Main Street USA at Disneyland, there is a baby care center. And on one of the walls of the baby care center is a picture of an adorable, adorable baby. Quite, quite cute. That baby is actually none other than Walt Disney himself. I kind of have to give credit to cadet Rory Osborne for this one. Uh, I met him over the weekend at the museum. He was been sending me goats that we can possibly use. Most of them we have already on our list of goats to use, but I wanted to give him a shout out for this one because I thought it was a good one. Instead of paying him money, we exactly. Give him a shout out. Shadows oh, are better bad. than money. See, when you said baby care center, I thought, is that a place you take your babies to get like their oil changed and their? Yeah, every three thousand miles. Okay, okay. So when you That's take them in for a tune-up, get their tires rotated, you know, the usual. Well, thanks so much for watching and listening. Yep. Be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on iTunes, and now leave us a message on our phone number, which again Ooh. is 424-785-4628. So if you don't want to leave us a voicemail on the Communicore hotline, you can always email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weekly. And if somebody wanted to call us, what's that hotline number again? Well, again, George, that number is 424-785-4628. Fantastic. So uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Imaginerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. So for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Too shy. Communicore Weekly is part of the MicePod Network.